this past weekend was something really special. Something life-changing. Something I didn't expect to feel. It was cathartic. It was the Black Big Brother weekend. And it was such a beautiful and healthy experience that I didn't even expect. And yet, on social media, we have to see comments like, well, that's racist, that's a double standard, you're excluding the white players. Imagine if there was a quote, white Big Brother weekend. Now here's the thing. If you're just a troll and you're out to be trolling and you don't really care, be off with you, move along, I'm not interested in you. But if you're a white person who genuinely doesn't understand what we did and why we did it and you think, well, there's a double standard, help me understand, then okay. That show today is for you. I'm going to explain everything we did. I'm going to share the beauty in which it was. And hopefully at the end of this episode, if you keep an open mind, you will see why it is not a double standard, why it is not discriminatory, and how it was just a beautiful thing that needed to happen. So, let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and wow, it has been a minute. I mean, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. For those of you who are my regular listeners, I didn't have a show last week, or I think the week before, I think I just kind of sent you guys a little message, but pretty much everyone came down with COVID except for me and my daughter. And it was just a lot of caretaking and isolating and all of that. So, I mean, wow. That's why I didn't have any shows. And I was going to have a show and announce that Black Big Brother weekend was coming up so I could share the details with you. So all of the excitement and fun, but I did not have the time or the capability because of everything that was going on here. And um, so here we are after it happened. And I have so much to tell you guys. I mean, if you haven't checked out my social media uh, on Twitter at Jody's Box, I have tons and tons of videos and pictures and all the deets. If you haven't checked out my Instagram at Jody Rollins, I did a bunch of lives and more videos and more pictures. And I did some reels. I did one yesterday. So there's all sorts of fun stuff there. So check out my social media and uh, you can feel like you were there because I tried to capture it to the best of my ability while having a blast, while being in the moment and sometimes just putting my phone down. And I did that. And a lot of us did that this weekend. So I want to explain everything from start to finish, from how this happened to what we did and experienced, all the way to what the negative people have said about it and tried to rain on our parade and make it something ugly and anti and bad that it just wasn't. So I'm going to get into all of that. But first, if this is the first time that you're listening, first of all, thank you so much. Please click the subscribe button so you never miss a show. Um, And, um, you know, check out the social media that I mentioned just and give me a follow. I would greatly appreciate it. And follow my stories. I always do updates and sometimes live updates about the show topics and when the next shows are coming out. You will see all the details there first. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that. Just click the link in the show notes. I think it just says support the show financially and just follow the instructions. It's really easy. It's like 99 cents a month or $4.99 or $9.99. It's really, really easy and every little bit 
helps. So thank you for that. If you want to leave a voice message and, you know, weigh in, I love hearing your guys' opinions. If it's, if it's real, if you're not being trolls, sometimes I share the opinions and stories and thoughts. Sometimes it's just, hey, you know, Jody, thank you so much for talking about this topic and you share personal stuff with me that you don't want me to share on the show. But um, I love hearing from you guys. So you can do that as well by clicking in the show notes, the link that says leave a voice message. Um, what else? Please share the show. Share the show with your friends, your families, your enemies, your foes, whoever, because that's how the show grows. We are what some, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm still getting over my cough that I had. Um, we are some 94, five episodes in. So when we hit 100, I'm going to have a special show, which I can't wait to share with you guys. But yes, so please share the show, help it grow. Every little share counts. And then um, click five stars where applicable because those stars matter. We wish that they didn't in the world of podcasting, but they do. And leave a written review if you really are enjoying the show. And if you're not enjoying the show, we'll keep listening until you do, and then you can leave a written review. <laughs> just, just kidding. Okay. So thank you guys for listening. Um, that is all of the business. Got the business out of the way. So Black Big Brother Weekend. So here's the thing. Let's go back. Let's go back in time. Last, I think it was last, late fall or early winter, um, Zakia, and I never remember the, the Big Brother numbers, but she was on Big Brother. She dated Polly, so it was the season that Polly was on. Uh, forgive me, I don't remember the numbers. I never, ever do. But she had this idea of sort of celebrating the cookout, which for those of you who don't watch Big Brother, but you want to listen to this episode, I will try to be as clear as possible. Um, the cookout was, and I had done a whole episode about this, the first black winner of Big Brother in the history of, you know, Big Brother um, was crowned in season 23, which was just last summer, last fall. And the cookout was six um, people of color, some were full African American, some were biracial, um, but they all sort of band together and said, let's make sure a black player wins because it's never been able to happen. Season after season after season, black players were picked off either first, second, third, or very, very soon. And we never had a chance to win this game. And it was sort of an unspoken thing that everyone knew, well, black people don't win this game. And black people knew that. Um, some white people maybe didn't pay attention to that fact, but many knew, well, gee, you know, black people never win. And so it was... It was always a heartbreaking thing for us as people of color. We knew when we went into that game, the chances of us winning were practically zero. I knew that in season 14, in 2012, I knew going in that my chances of winning because I'm black were practically zero. And that had been commonplace. We just knew it was not likely because we were regularly picked off. People didn't join alliances with us or form alliances with us. And it's just how it was. And then as time progressed, there would be microaggressions or macroaggressions. Race would come up. The N-word was dropped by Gina Marie. I mean, season 15 was had all this racist crap. I mean, each season has had some bits or pieces of racism. And then if it wasn't on the show, it was on the live feeds. And if it wasn't on the live feeds or the show, when people would come out of the house, you would get racist crap on social media. People making comments about all kinds of things, whether it was direct racism in your face when you're called the N-word like I was, or if it's more subtle and like sneaky racism. So it's a lot. And that's just in the show, right? But in life, of course, every black player in the history of Big Brother has dealt with racism. From the minute we could understand human interaction, we've dealt with racism. 
I mean, I had racist teachers, racist neighbors that said I was not allowed to set foot in their yard because I was black. And I've talked about this before. And I was little. I was a little kid, someone who could not harm a flea, right? And so over our lifetimes, every single black big brother player has had to deal with racism at their job, at school, in their life for decades, right? And then inside the house, as I just mentioned. So back to how this whole thing even came to be. Once Xavier won the first black player, one big brother, first in history, Zakia had the idea of let's get together and really celebrate this monumental thing that we just didn't even know if it was ever going to happen and to really bond together over Martin Luther King Day weekend and get to know each other because some of us know each other and some of us don't. And let's invite people from Big Brother Canada. Let's invite every single black or person of color player. Um, and they, I say person of color because... I mean, no one was going, okay, what's your specifics? But it was just an understanding. They didn't invite Asian players. They didn't invite um, Latinos or anyone other than just generally black or biracial. And that was just because of the cookout. And so all of us kind of received an email or a text or a message or notice and said, hey, let's get together in Phoenix over Martin Luther King weekend and really connect with each other and celebrate the cookouts win, right, Xavier? And that's what happened. Now, COVID tried to kick our butts and get in the way. Many people got sick. I mean, we were taking the testing seriously. No rapid tests were eligible. We had to do the PCR test. We were screenshotting that we would take these tests. Like, you had to take all of these precautions seriously because we're going to be around each other and people are going to be traveling and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So some people couldn't come. I mean, life, busy, schedule, everything, whatever. Some people came down with COVID right before. All of these things, because we, were, we wanted to have hundreds of people, or at least 100, you know, or 50. But what turned out to happen, I don't even know how many ended up showing up, but it was uh, maybe 15 of us. I didn't even bother to count. So... When it all could come together, those who came or those who could come, came. And we got a house in Phoenix for Friday evening until Monday morning over MLK weekend, as I've said. And to be honest, I've been to a lot of Big Brother events, whether it was different rap parties or season finale parties, which is similar, but not the same. I've been to uh, charity events and mixers. I've been to all kinds of Big Brother and slash uh, reality TV events. And let me just tell you, there is a lot of ego. And anybody who's done these things knows this. And you'll get a chance, if you're lucky, to bond with some people that you may connect with. But then there are some people that you're just like, wow, this small sense of celebrity has gone to their head. And it can be, it can be the best way I can put it, it can be icky. It can be uncomfortable to be around because there's a lot of arrogance and a lot of people trying to like, it's like back being back in high school, like, oh, let's hang with the popular people. And, you know, there's all these different cliques and it's just really uncomfortable. So going into Black Big Brother Weekend, let's see, Black Big Brother, BBBW, I don't know, we'll just call it BW, just to make our lives simple. Um, I had trepidations because I thought, is this going to be like, a lot of the different events that I've been to. And again, to be clear, even when there's ego and arrogance and all of that and all these events, there's always nice people. There are always people I connect with, make good friendships with, and I generally will enjoy myself, but it's not always easy because it can be overwhelming. And as I mentioned, it makes you feel like you're back in high school, which is just not a fun feeling. I'm an adult. I don't need that. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to this. We'll see how this goes. And the minute I got there, I mean, I drove, I live about four hours from Phoenix. So it was an easy drive for me. 
I just felt like I was, I had stepped into a different world. I mean, it was a beautiful weather, beautiful home, huge. I mean, I don't know if I call it a mansion, but a very large home. And I just, we started meeting each other and it, there was just no pretense and everyone's like hugging and laughing and smiling. And we had music, you know, Bo, who was the main organizer, he brought his little stereo and it was just like music everywhere all the time. So we're just like laughing and talking and dancing and eating and, you know, some people drinking. I don't drink at all. So I'm, I remember every single thing and was totally sober, but I don't care if other people drink. Um, we were lucky enough to have our liquor sponsored by Whispering Angel. So that was nice. And I mean... It just, it was just no pretense. And I got to meet the cookout, which I kind of fangirled out myself, you know, and it's always fun to see, okay, I've watched these people on television. How are they in person? Are they the same? Are they different? And, you know, most people are slightly the same, but also slightly different. It just kind of depends. And I got to know Aza, who is a lot more outgoing and a lot more feisty than she appeared on TV. She seemed kind of quiet, I think. I mean, her edit was just very quiet and very sweet and very sort of docile. That girl is hilarious. And man, can she cook. I mean, she cooked these meals for us. Oh, so good. So good. The cookout kept saying that they ate really, really well because of Aza. I get it. But, you know, meeting Tiffany from the cookout, who's just, she's so little and cute and tiny, and she's hilarious, and on and on and on. Like, I, I mean, just meeting each person. Kylan is, like, a lot taller and bigger and more muscular than I thought in person, and he's just as sweet as he can be, you know? And Chada was, like, I mean... I don't know if she's actually got a, a Mensa card because she's just like, she just oozes intelligence and she's 21. So that girl has got a great head on her shoulders and the rest of the cookout couldn't make it. And they had FaceTimed in and we saw some of them and, you know, it just was like a big, like everyone was able to connect and, Sometimes we would have these conversations that were meaningful. Like, like people started talking about some of the losses they had recently in their family, like deaths. And then we would talk about, um, you know, different racial things that happened in the house and stuff that's happened outside of the house, like outside of the show where somebody did or said something racist or didn't support somebody when someone else or so on and so on. And it was just a way to, it was almost like group therapy to be honest, and to listen to other people's stories. You know, I, I don't want to share specifics because I didn't get their a permission. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, it was, it was private, but it's obviously a very public event. But one of the people there was telling me about some racist stuff that happened to them as a child. And I was just floored, you know, like my jaw just dropped. I mean, I know my life story, my experiences, but when you hear it from someone else, it's just like, ah, oh, it's heartbreaking. Really, really heartbreaking. And so in a lot of ways, this was therapeutic for all of us. Because let me just tell you, I mean, for those of you who listen to the show regularly or loyally, again, thank you. I've talked about some of the things that I've experienced when it comes to race and I've talked about what my white friends have said and my husband who is white, who he shares his perspective as a white man, you know. A lot of times we hear in the media, we'll just get over it. Like, why is everything about race with black people? And the thing is, it permeates every corner of your life. You're maybe not thinking about it, but then something will happen to you. Or we've been trained that when we go to stores, people follow us, people think we're stealing. It still happens. You know, it's not something, it's not like racism isn't like a coat that you like take off, you know, you take off the coat and then you just get on with your life. You take off the coat, but other people don't. You know, it's, it's an everyday thing in some way that you have to think about your race. That doesn't mean everything is racist, but it's not something that you cannot think about. And regularly we're told in our society, basically shut up and get over it. Slavery was a long time ago. As if racism 
isn't happening every day. You look at the George Floyd thing, and that's the extreme, the everyday stuff. I'm not getting shot by police officers. I believe and know there are good police officers who aren't shooting every black person. It's the day-to-day -day stuff on social media, your boss, at the stores, whatever, that continues to happen the Karens in society who think we're doing things as black people that we aren't. And so to be able to enter this sort of safe space that we created, almost a bubble where it was the reverse, where the minority was not anything. We, the, we are minorities, right? In the United States of America, black people. But in this house in Phoenix, we were the majority. And it was just nice to say, I see you for who you are as a person. You're not your race. When we're mixed with all these different people, different races, and, and especially when we're on the Big Brother show, the dominant race in that house is white. And so what we do, whenever we're on that show, anything we do and say, it's like, oh, well, this is what black people do and say. So we feel like we're carrying our race on our shoulders. Whereas if you're a white person, you go on that show, you're just a person. Whatever you do reflects only upon you. But if Howard was angry on Big Brother on his season on 15, that's black men are angry, not just Howard. So in this house, in Phoenix, this past weekend, that didn't matter. That stuff wasn't true. We were the majority. And every single person that stepped foot in that house understood what it was like to be discriminated against, what it's like to be hated because of your race and your culture, what it's like to feel other, what it's like to feel marginalized. As a black person, when you go through this life in the United States of America, it's almost like you are a, like a, you're on display as an attraction, like at, you know, Disney World or at the zoo or at the circus. Whenever you go to any of those places, any attractions, you go to see things and you want to touch, you want to feel, you want to smell, you want to experience. And every day in our lives as black people, that's a lot of how we will feel because we're regularly questions about questioned about who we are. What's your hair like? What does it do? Why does it do that? How often do you wash it? Is that a wig? Is that a weave? Is that, are those extensions? Why do you do that? Is it curly? Is it straight? Do you tan? What do you do? Is your skin? Blah, 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 blah. I wish I were as dark as you. I wish I didn't have to tan. Like you're regularly treated like you're something other. And that gets exhausting. Are those things racist? Sometimes. But oftentimes it's just, you know, people are curious. White people are curious about black people's experiences and that's okay, but it gets to be exhausting. I don't always want to answer questions about my damn hair or my skin or my baby's skin or my baby's hair. People think it's okay to just come up and touch my baby's hair as a little black baby with curly black hair. It's not okay. But people don't realize that because a lot of times they really don't mean any harm. But I don't always want to be on display or up for question and debate. So in the house, we all knew the answers to all those questions. Nobody was asking me about my hair. Every time I've done anything with Big Brother, my hair is a topic of conversation. Every single time. And so all of that takes a toll when you're always the one of the few, when you're always the minority. And then when it is the extreme, when it's racist and people say all these closed-minded things, it's exhausting. So for this one weekend, we all understood what that was like. It almost didn't need to be said, but we started sharing stories of what it's been like growing up. I mean, I've been regularly told growing up, you sound like a white person. You want to be white. Oh, you talk proper. I've heard it all. You know, want to be white girl, Oreo. So if I sound like I do, then I want to be white. And white people think it's so funny to make the jokes about, you're the whitest black person that I've ever met. And they think that's hilarious. It's not hilarious. But then if I sound like the stereotypic, stereotypical black 
vernacular, then I'm ignorant, right? I have no education. So there's no winning as a black person. You either sound too white or you sound too black. Where's the medium? I don't know. White people are not questioned on how they talk. It's just they either have an accent or they don't, and that's it. And of course, there's always ex you know, exceptions to every rule. But this weekend, we all talked about that, about how we talk and how we're experienced in society as black people. And we all understood. And it was nice. It was refreshing. And I don't know how else to put it other than that. Because if this had been, let's just celebrate the cookout weekend and everyone was invited, white people don't understand what that's like. White people, you guys have your own issues and your own problems. I talked to my husband's husband about this and he's like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of white guilt and it seems like people want us to feel guilty for slavery and racism and stuff. I'm like, I don't want your guilt. If that's what you feel or if that's what someone has said, that's on them or on you. I'm not looking for guilt. I'm looking for understanding. And so everyone, every race has their own issues, whatever. But it's funny to me when I see on social media, well, it's a double standard. Can you imagine if there had been a white big brother weekend? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I can. It happened. Season 14, when I was on Big Brother, I was the only black person on the show. They kicked me off first. People complained and said it was racist. Never bothered to bring me back. Why is that? Rachel Riley came back multiple times. A bunch of different people, Jordan, all these different people came back, right? And don't get me wrong, Davon came back. But at that time when there were no black people on the show and CBS was called racist, they were like, eh, too bad, we don't care. So white Big Brother weekend, how about an entire white Big Brother season? They just don't call it that. It's what happened. And season after season after season after season, there was one, maybe two black people. So don't come at me and say it's a double standard. Because here's the thing. If we did an all-female Big Brother weekend, no one would say, oh, well, what's, why, why aren't the men invited? And if they did, they would say that and it would be joking, right? It would be okay to have an all-female Big Brother weekend. It would be okay to have an all-gay Big Brother weekend. I don't think the straight people would be like, well, why am I not invited? It would just be known, you know? They have gay pride. They have white parties and pride weekend. Nobody gets mad about that unless you're like some closed-minded person who doesn't like gay people. But come on. The minute we add race into it, then somehow we're racist? It's simply not true. Because you have to look at intent. What is your intent? If next year a group of white Big Brother players get together and they go, we're going to have a white Big Brother weekend, the intent is a big F you to the black weekend. The intent is to say, screw you, and is to stick it to us and do something and be like anti, right? It's like, well, we're not going to include black people. Your intent is to copy what someone did and to stick it to the originators. That's not a positive thing. That's not catharsis. That's not positivity and something beautiful. The intent is to get back at somebody. That's not what we did. We were not saying, white people, you are not invited because you are white. We didn't want to dim the light on any race. We wanted to shine the spotlight on ourselves, on our own. The other examples I can think of, think about uh, self-help groups, like group therapy. Imagine there's a group of women who have been raped. Now look, men and women get raped in our society. There are more women that get raped as far as we know, but it does happen to both sexes. But imagine a group of women said, you know what, we wanna take a weekend where we really celebrate being a woman, we celebrate that we've survived being raped, and we really wanna just connect with other women who understand what it's like. If you haven't been raped, this isn't your weekend. And if you're a male who has been raped, this isn't your weekend either. It's just a time for women to get together who have experienced this awful thing and really bond and connect with each other. No one would say 
well, why can't the men who were raped be there too? You're just being anti, you're being discriminatory. No, because it's about honoring and celebrating the strength of these women who have been through this horrific thing. It isn't about leaving out the men. The men can start their own thing if they really feel like it, but this was just about honoring the women who've been through this terrible, terrible thing. And that's all this Big Brother weekend was, to celebrate the cookout that we finally won. 24 seasons in 24 years. I'm sorry, 24 seasons in 23 years. Never a black winner in Big Brother. That was something worth celebrating. And the white players, as much as you may appreciate, may be proud of, may be happy for, you've never walked a day in our shoes to understand the significance of it. And you've never experienced the kind of racism that all of us have. And we just wanted to bond over that. Create a safe space where we don't have to answer questions about tanning. No one was tanning. We don't have to answer the questions about our skin, about our hair, about any of the stuff that we always do. Nobody made fun of the Canadians for sounding like Canadians. You know, they're just black people. And so if you're out there and you think after listening to everything I've just said, that it's still a double standard and you don't know why white people can't come, then I don't know what to tell you. This was supposed to be something beautiful. And to think that it was like anti-something is just flat out wrong. That's not what it was. It was about honoring our personal experiences. And white people have never experienced what it's like to be black. You just haven't. And if it's so great, if you think that being black is so great and that you feel like we have it so good and how dare we have this double standard and how dare we be anti-white and it's like, why can't you be included? Then tell me this, if the good Lord himself spoke to you one day and said, you know what? You get to come back in your next life you're guaranteed coming back in the next life. Other people are not guaranteed, but you for sure will be. And you're like, yay, I get a second life. But the good Lord says, but you're coming back as a black person. How are you feeling about that? Now you get to experience racism. I bet you would be like, oh, uh, even if you have a second thought, because being a black person in the United States of America is difficult. Being a minority is difficult. It's added extra pressures, extra pain. We don't have it so great, right? Women make what some 50 cents on the dollar that their white counterpart makes, even though more black women have college degrees than white women. Like, look it up. It is a fact. So, we don't have it so perfect that what you're saying, these people who are saying it's a double standard, it's a double standard, it's not fair. When did life become fair? Because I missed the memo on that one. Being black is by definition a minority, which by definition is unfair. And we didn't do it to stick it to anybody. We just did it to celebrate ourselves. And that doesn't mean we can't have another celebration sometime where it's just everyone. But this was about us the same way as I just described. If women who are raped need that special time for themselves, for people who get what they've been through. I've never been raped. I couldn't go to a weekend and discuss those things with a woman and understand it. I cannot walk in their shoes because I have not walked in their shoes. And I wouldn't accept, I wouldn't expect to be invited. I wouldn't expect to be someone who's part of that because not everything is about Jody. I wouldn't belong there. And not everything is about white people. You didn't belong there. White people are kind, white people are loving, white people are good, white people are wonderful. There's always the bad ones too, but you just didn't belong there. And you can't call me a racist 
because I went to a weekend that was about honoring our experience. I understand the white experience. I have a white husband and white stepkids. I've had white bosses. I live in a country that is predominantly white. White people do not completely understand the black experience because we're minorities. And most of the stuff you hear about us is negative. Oh, we're thieves, uh, you know, welfare, even though there are more white people on welfare than there are black people, look it up. But that's the stuff that people think about us. Oh, we have a bunch of babies out of wedlock, you know, all the athletes are fucking everybody and they have a bunch of babies, like all that stuff, right? There's some truth to it, but a lot of it is blown out of proportion and that's what you hear on the news about us. We just wanted to celebrate the positive stuff. And that's it. I want to read to you guys some quotes. We were interviewed by Us Magazine. When I come back from this break, I want to share with you, and hopefully you can hear quotes from the people who attended in their own words, maybe they explain it better than I can, about what this weekend meant to them. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's me again, and I wanted to do a little promotion, a little self-promotion. Have you heard of Twitter Spaces? If you haven't heard about them, they are rooms that are done live on Twitter where anyone and everyone can weigh in and be a part of a conversation. So I'll start topics and you all can weigh in and share your opinions. So please join me starting January 1st for my very first Twitter Space. How do you do it? Sign up for Twitter if you already haven't and look for me at my handle at Jody's Box. That's J-O-D-I, no apostrophe, S, box, like mailbox. So join me for Twitter Spaces, a way for you to weigh in and be a part of the conversation starting January 1st. Welcome back. Thank you guys for staying tuned in. Um, I, that little ad that you just heard about Twitter spaces, unfortunately, because everyone in my family came down with COVID, they are postponed, but I got, I'm going to start the Twitter spaces probably next week. So don't forget to tune into my Twitter at Jody's Box. And we're going to start talking about uh, celebrity Big Brother. We're going to talk about this particular weekend if I'm up to it, because in a way, I don't want to keep talking about this. I just want to celebrate the, the beauty of it. I don't want to get stuck talking about people who don't get it. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of topics. So I hope you guys will join me and weigh in. You know, sincerely, we don't have to agree on things, but if we can just come from a place of understanding and kindness and really try to, you know, make each other's points or hopefully try to understand each other and maybe agree to disagree. But that's what Twitter Spaces is about. Because even, you know, Martin Luther King himself had said that the reason why we don't all get each other is a lot of times we're not with each other and we don't get a chance to understand each other's perspective. You know, if you only surround yourself with people who only agree with you, then you don't get to experience other schools of thought or experiences. Same as if we did this Big Brother weekend every time, all the time, and I never was around any other white player or Latino player or Asian player, that would be ridiculous. So it's good to understand and experience other people's thoughts and points of view, and that's why I'm going to be doing the Twitter spaces. So check out my Twitter. I'll let you guys know when I'm doing them. I will try to update my Instagram as well about those, probably on my Instagram stories. So keep posted on Instagram stories and uh, we'll do it. And we'll have some fun. And that way you guys can weigh in too and say, you know, this is what I think, Jody, because I like to hear other opinions as well. Okay. So Us Magazine interviewed us. Thank you so much, Us. And it's really cool because they actually used 
my photos. I took a lot of pictures during the weekend. So you can go to usmagazine.com and just search for the um, Black Big Brother. I think the title of the article is, da, 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 one second, um, Black Big Brother players from US and Canada unite for a celebratory weekend in Phoenix. It was a time to connect by Shannon Tharp. And that was January 17th. Or you can go to my Instagram or Twitter and I have the link there. So you can click on the link and read the article for yourself. Okay, and see my photos, which I was really proud of because I am a photographer and now I have been published in Us Magazine, usmagazine.com. Okay, so here's some quotes. Here, This one is from Lawan. Lawan, um, was it BB13 he was on? Um, he says... This weekend was very special to me, Sp celebrating the love with each other from a reality show that we all experienced and being able to bond on our terms, priceless. I mean, that's the whole point is we did it on our terms. We didn't have to worry about what the producers were telling us to do or not do or what CBS said we couldn't do, CBS said we could or couldn't do, and it was on our terms. Um, Let's see, next quote, a beautiful experience. This weekend was a beautiful experience, said Kyland. As a Big Brother super fan, connecting with the black alumni who came before us was fun and exciting. So the most significant part of the weekend for me was hearing from some of the past players about how watching the cookout succeed in a way that we did was helpful and healing and, and almost uh, therapeutic in an almost therapeutic way for them. That was beyond touching for me and made my own spirit experience on the show even more fulfilling. And, you know, Tiffany put it the best. <clears throat> and I don't know if it's in her quote that might come up here, but she was saying, you know, how if you're trying to open up a jar, I think she said champagne, but if you're trying to open up a jar and you're like, you're twisting, you're twisting, and then you like, you hand it to somebody else and they're twisting and they're twisting and you hand it to somebody else and they're twisting and finally you hand it to somebody else and they just go boop and they open it up it's because everyone else before then loosened it. And that's what she said that we did. Like me being on Big Brother, yes, it was very brief, right? But my experience as a black player who got kicked off unceremoniously, like each black player had to like deal with racism and all these different things and being kicked off first or kicked off second, right? We all kind of laid the groundwork and made it possible, <coughs> excuse me, for the cookout to succeed. And that was, that touched me. And I was honored that they thought of it that way. Um, and then Braden from Big Brother Canada, he says, having people that look and sound like you is something that most take for granted. And I'm very thankful I was able to feel so much love this weekend. And then Bo says, wow, what an epic week weekend. Bo was on Big Brother 6, you know, one of the the best like classic epic ones with Janelle and Kaser. But he says, wow, what an epic weekend we had. Being in this house together was a bonding experience. My new bond with the cookout and Big Brother Canada has made this an experience of a lifetime. And then my quote was, the sense of inclusion is like nothing I have ever felt before. There was no ego or pretense, only a sense of peace, joy, inspiration, and celebration. And that's really true. We couldn't get that. We could not get that if we had reached outside of our own race. Could it have been wonderful and joyous and fun? Absolutely. But the understanding of racism and marginalization, marginalization, if I can say it, and feeling other needed to come from people who look like me. You know, people who are shorter may experience feeling other, other than people with disabilities or people who look a certain way or are a certain size. Sure, they can relate to a certain extent. And I probably can't relate to what it's like for somebody who is shorter. I'm an above average height female. So everyone has their thing, right? Things that they've dealt with that are difficult no matter what your race. But if given the opportunity to spend time with people who completely understand what you have been through, wouldn't you want to take it? Shouldn't you take it? 
to equate us to some kind of double standard and close-minded and racist like the Ku Klux Klan is foolish and ignorant. The Ku Klux Klan is all white because they want to keep blacks and other minorities out. They have hatred for them. There are golf courses that up until the 90s would not allow black people to be members of, but had no problem having Tiger Woods play there for the Masters, but he couldn't be a member because he was black. These are the things that we experience. And we see other people leaving other people out. We see organizations and clubs and political parties that want to keep people who are different out. That is not the same as what we did. We just wanted to find some time to spend quality time with people who understand what we've been through, people who look like us. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're white, you regularly spend time with people who look like you. It's just the nature of the beast. You take that for granted because if you go to a party or a mixer or something, chances are you're not the only white person in the room. That happens to me all the time. I'm the only black person at the party, the only black person applying for the job, the only black person on Big Brother. That's what we experience, and you as a white person don't. If you went to the deep south where we have a higher black population and you were like, you know what? I'm going to go to an NAACP mixer and I'm going to spend my time if the NAACP has like a week of festivities as a white person and you go down there and you go to a party, a, a gala that has like some 400 people in it and you're one of the only white people in that party. Bullshit if you don't feel uncomfortable. It's not true. You would. If you had to spend a week doing that, having black bosses, black teachers, black associates, black friends, going to black mixers, black everything, and you were the only white person, you would be uncomfortable. No matter who you are, even if you're the most liberal leaning person, like some of the more, my more really liberal leaning friends would say, this is a beautiful thing, but you'd be other you'd be different and you would stand out and be invisible at the same time. And that's what we regularly experience. We stand out and we're invisible. We're diminished and we're marginalized. And so for one weekend of our lives, we said we want to be the, ma the majority. We want to understand each other's experiences. It's not about kicking anybody out. It's about honoring our pain, honoring our joy, and connecting. And yet some people see it as a double standard. I get it when you don't think about it, when you just look at it as face value, but I hope if you take a minute and think about it by listening to the show. Even if you don't like me, you don't like Big Brother, if you think I'm stupid, you think this is ridiculous, even if you're like, okay, I get it reluctantly, I'll take it. I would hope after listening to the show for, usually I talk for about an hour, you'll go, okay. Is it so wrong that they just wanna feel like they matter to each other? No. We're not doing what those golf courses did when they don't include black people. That's anti. This wasn't anti-anything. It's not the same when people don't get what you experience. If you have, I know that I have some friends that are teachers and they go on teacher's junkets and they're just like, oh, it was so good. It was so rewarding because teachers get it. Like they know what we go through. They know what we deal with with the kids and how much we get paid and funding for supplies and the curriculum and changing the curriculum. I don't know shit about being a teacher. So if I went to a teacher junket, a mixer, I would just be sitting there like, oh yeah, okay. And you know, yeah, I understand that some teachers don't get paid enough and you know, you have to deal with COVID now and wearing masks. And I, I've heard a couple of my teachers are double masking and they wouldn't get much from me. They wouldn't get much understanding. 
because I'm not a teacher. I don't belong there. And the same is true for this Big Brother weekend. White people, this was not about saying you're bad or wrong or blaming you for anything. It wasn't about you. It was just about us for once, celebrating black excellence. You may hear that term. What does that mean? It's again, it goes back to the fact that what most white people hear about black people is we're criminals, we're, ha we're having babies out of wedlock, we're this, we're that, we're negative, we're blah, 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 blah. Black excellence. Black excellence. My dog wanted to chime in about that. If you live your life as a black person in the United States of America, you're inundated and bombarded with the fact that you're shit. You're a drain on the American society. You're the criminals in the jail systems. You're the ones not to be trusted walking down the street. If the cops pull you over, you will end up dead. If you are the women, you're not beautiful enough, sexy enough. You're, mm, other. Everything we hear, we don't get the jobs. And when we get the jobs, we don't get paid the same amount. Negative upon negative upon negative for our entire lives. But this one weekend, we just wanted to celebrate black excellence. The cookout won fair and square. It's just a stinking reality show. Is it, is it the meaning of life? No, it's a reality TV show. But we are real people with real feelings and real thoughts and real hearts. And we have been in pain. And over this weekend, some of that pain was healed because we connected with people who look like us, who understood that pain. And if you didn't look like us, you couldn't understand that pain. And that's it. That's all this weekend was about. So my white big brother players, we love you. We love you just as much today as we did the day before we started Black Big Brother Weekend. We're not looking for you to feel guilty or negative. We're not blaming you for anything. I mean, the racist ones, you know, that's a different story. But the rest of you, I mean, there's some of, some of the white Big Brother players are really good friends of mine. And I love and adore them. And we're pretty close. This just wasn't about that. And if you don't get it, you never will. And that's sad. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Hey,